0: The Greenwood and Mulliner show is sponsored by OneFootball. OneFootball is the app you all need to get the latest info on Newcastle United and the Premier League. Make sure you go and download OneFootball today. Newcastle Fans TV Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Me and Sam been talking darts once again. And we've been talking to Ryan Relentless-Joyce, the man who's made the quarterfinals in 2019. He's got a Pro Tour win to his name as well. And Sam, he's just outside the top 32. He's certainly knocking on the door. Do you think he can get past the likes of Chris and Callum, who we've had on the show recently?
1: going to be tough, but I don't see why not, because he always seems to turn up to majors, doesn't he? Um, he always has a, a decent run. He's an incredibly tough player to beat. Um Top thirty-two is incredibly hard to break uh, to break into, but uh, we've got two Geordies in there already. Why not add a third?
0: hundred percent. The more Geordies, the better. And obviously, Ryan is a big, big Newcastle United fan as well.
1: He um, is. But you're we're even bigger Dar- Well, we're big darts fans, and you're. What are you doing tonight?
0: As we're filming this, I'm actually in Leeds. So, I'm there for the Premier League darts uh, today, and it's actually an interesting story how I've actually got to do this interview. So my mate only decided to tell me at half twelve that the hotel we're staying at we can't book in for another three hours later. I was like, "Shit, where am I going to film this? (laughs) Where am I going to film this uh, interview with Ryan with the So I'm running through Leeds. City Centre, right, there's a Marriott Hotel. Let's see how I can get on. And I'm and in the Marriott Hotel in Leeds and very, very kindly said I can uh, film just around the corner for inside the meeting room. So a big shout out to them. But um, yeah, I'm at the dance tonight, Sammy. Are you jealous?
1: Uh, no, because I'm sat here in my living room. Uh, The kids, one of the kids is at school. The other is at um, her nan's. I'm sat here about to enjoy the afternoons racing at Aintree. I've got my wood burner on, so I'll throw another log on the fire and enjoy a bit of dinner. So I'm quite content, I have to be honest, because it's been quite busy at work lately. So uh, so I'm I'm quite happy for the restful afternoon. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yes. I'm sure you'll have fun.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you'll have fun. You'll have pints. You'll have ales in, in dirty Leeds.
0: Dirty Leeds. I've actually been to Leeds a couple of times in the last few weeks. I've been to Leeds versus Newcastle, uh, which John Joe Shelby's been a fantastic free kick, even though the keeper should have saved it. And then I was in Leeds a couple of weeks ago for a stag do. So Leeds is like a second home to me at the minute. And we'll, we'll see how tonight goes. If anybody wants a bet or maybe laugh can laugh at me after hearing this intro four or five days later and can laugh at the fact I've gone for Johnny Clayton. i put 10 quid on Johnny Clayton at four to one. He's oh, got yeah? Joe Joe Cullen in the quarter final. If he wins he could take on his fellow countrymen. You know Gary, Anderson Gary Anderson's out
1: Gary Anderson's not there tonight. You're not going to see Gary Anderson. How do you feel?
0: I'm absolutely good because Gary Anderson is one of my favourite doppers along with the likes of Ryan Cullen and Chris. But I do I do like Gary Anderson. He's uh, one of my favourite players I've seen Gary Anderson take on Michael Van Duren a few times at Newcastle in the darts Darton. I remember that game where Van Gogh hit 180, 180 after six darts. And Van Gogh left himself on 170 after nine. Van Gogh missed the treble 19. I think he hit the treble 20. Missed the treble 19. Nanderson and hit 170. And that was game shot. Michael didn't even get a shot at the double. So that was interesting, to say the least. But best of luck to all of them, all them in Leeds tonight. I'm I'm going to go Johnny Payne. I think he might just nick it over Van Gogh. that's my tip for tonight. But going back onto Ryan. He's obviously a pro tour winner. So, beating Dave Chisnell in 2020, just after kind of just all the COVID restrictions have just happened and we were, you were allowed to play sports again. Uh, that was a big, big win for Ryan. To, to beat a player, someone with the calibre of Dave Chisnell, it, 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 he's no mug. He's no mug and he's been in numerous finals as well.
1: Yeah, we talk about um, the floor tournament. Um, look, you've got to be a good player to win one of them so we we'll talk about there and, and and his uh, performances at the world's um, and all round Newcastle United stuff as well pre and post takeover uh, as we record now 6 months to the day tomorrow that we were taken over by uh, the consortium so how time does fly
0: Time does fly and there'll be more, more episodes. I'm sure we'll talk about the Takeover Day with our guests in the future as well. But I think it's about time to get this show on the road. So this is The Greenwood and Mulliner Show and it is with Ryan Relentless-Joyce.
1: The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Alongside myself and Sam Mulliner, we have a PDC Darts, well, he's in the top 40 of the PDC Darts World Rankings, and he's got a pro tour win to his name as well. Is Ryan Joyce welcome to the show, Ryan? Yeah, hello, uh, Sam. The, the Darts is a yes. passion for me and you. Yeah, and we've had Chris on, we've had Callan on, and now we've yes. got Ryan on. There's a bit of a battle in the North East Bruin, isn't there, Sam?
1: There is, and um, Ryan, you're well in the mix there, but unlike, unlike kind of Chris and, and Callan. I get the feeling that you just love playing darts and the fact that whether it's PDC Pro Tour, whether it's Super League, I mean, I know when you were like winning your uh, tour events, like the next weekend after or the next month after you're still playing for Tyne and Weir at County down in freaking Tropshire, down my neck of the woods. So do you just, where did the love start? And do you just love, love playing whatever level it is?
2: Well, yeah, I'm not very good at anything else, so I only had darts to go for, really. <laughs> um, yeah, just I don't do anything else. I haven't got a job or anything, um, so I like to keep my arm in in the local competitions and play as often as I can. It's good practice, good match practice.
0: Who were your heroes growing up, Ryan? When you were watching darts as a young lad, was there a particular player that you really looked up to?
2: Yeah, but, uh, Phil Taylor. I used to like watching him play. Yeah. I thought he was the best player. I want it to be like him.
1: Yeah, that, 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 that yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, to love Phil Taylor. Were there any others like? Because obviously, Taylor's, Taylor's everyone's. But did you have a, a love for maybe Barney or Priestley or Bristow? Who, who,
2: who was your other guy? Uh, no, not really. Um, probably Taylor Adrian Phil Lewis too. or the other one. Uh, I think Adrian Lewis was the other player that had my admire. He looked so naturally gifted and it made, he made it look so easy.
0: He really did. I, I love I the story about how he got his nickname, where he won so much money in Vegas and then because he was only 20 years yeah. old, he couldn't claim it. <laughs> so, yeah. that's, what, that's, that's very one very of the stories that you have to research. But, Brian, um, <laughs> of, of course, you're a big Newcastle fan as well. What was your biggest passion when you were growing up? Was it Newcastle United or was it the Darts or was it a bit of both? What did you prefer when you were younger?
2: Yeah, I wasn't really interested in darts when I was younger. I was uh, I used to play football and uh, cricket. That was the two sports I used to play. But I was a lot uh, fitter and younger then. Uh, so since I started playing darts, uh, I've... Let myself go a bit. I'm much heavier now. <laughs> no, no. I can't play football anymore.
1: <laughs> prime athlete, dark players. I don't care what anyone says. Athletes through and through. But can you remember your first sort of experience in Newcastle United? What was, what was it that got you hooked?
2: Yeah, I, my dad took us to a game at St. James's Park. I was only about five or six years old. Um, I remember Newcastle were in one of the lower divisions, maybe Division 3. And um, I think they beat Norwich 3-1 and a striker called David Kelly scored a hat-trick. And that's my first memory of Newcastle United, and going to the games. Uh, we were just... At the, at the stadium then, there was just there were standing areas. They had these like big concrete square things what you could stand against. Um, that's what I remember first about the, the Newcastle.
0: David Kelly must be your era, son, isn't it? No, that's sad.
1: <laughs> well, he scored a hat-trick on the telly, that's all I'm saying. When, like, but to be fair, Johnny, whilst you may be the youngest of the three of us, you definitely look the eldest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one for another podcast. Um, but was it just when you've seen that game and you've seen David Kelly, for example, Ryan, Was it, you just from from day one, basically?
2: I, I can't remember what what the feelings were. I was so young. Um, but I, I went to more games, obviously, and I, I, I like playing football and uh, outside in the street with my friends and things like that. And it, I think I can't remember the exact date I started to understand football properly and, and really get into it and start watching it. But uh, I've always loved uh, watching the football. It's been, uh, uh, well, until. Until a certain time when a certain person ruined it all for us.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: it was. Um, thankfully, that person's pissed off, though, now, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I remember I, I had a season ticket. And I went to all the games. I, I remember Bobby Robson was uh, manager. I went to all the games when he was manager. And then Kevin Keegan, I think, took over for the second time. Um I can't remember when it was, maybe 2000 and something, 2002, something like that. But um, I remember he had to resign because of loads of stuff that happened behind the scenes. Um, And I was so angry that I I promised myself I'd never, ever go back and watch Newcastle United as as long as Mike Ashley was in charge of the club. And and I didn't. I never, ever went back until uh, Newcastle played Tottenham um, this season. It was the first time I ever went back. To St James's Park. Oh,
1: what a day that was! We we were both there that day as well. Um, yeah,
2: I got a ticket off Chris who Was he was nice to us? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, bless him! But uh, can you can, what do you remember about that day? How soon did you get round to St James's Park? Because three hours before kick off, it was rammed outside. It was like a carnival, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think I, I think we got there about one o'clock, and uh, we were standing outside the stadium for a long time, just enjoying the atmosphere. It was it was something else, wasn't it? What a day! Yeah, it just, it's just
1: just a shame we lost. But who would have thought? It was, yeah. like, still, one of the most enjoyable days ever. Even though we lost three two, it was mad.
2: Yeah, it was was nice to be there and experience that atmosphere.
0: You talk about Chris. Who you were sitting next to when you, you were at that Tottenham game? I've seen him at a few away games. He absolutely loves it. He really, really does. Him I and Callum, they both have both been on talking about Newcastle. Is there excitement between the three of you, or maybe other Newcastle fans? think like Adam, Hunt's a Newcastle fan as well.
2: Do you yeah, think there's a I real know.
0: sense of? Yeah, a real sense of actually, we can actually compete now. We've got hope. We've got belief. We've got the confidence that we actually if we can get through this season. Then the next few seasons, Newcastle can actually be a little bit better, and God knows where we'll be.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really exciting, isn't it, to see uh, who they're going to sign and things like that. You can already see they're starting to improve on they? and uh, this uh, summer transfer window is going to be massive, I think. There's going to be some big uh, players coming in. And hopefully they can push on and be a little bit more like maybe West Ham and Leicester, teams like that who have good players and they're always trying to finish in the top six.
1: So, you're already looking ahead to the summer, which I kind of really want to do, but I'm a bit wary that the job of securing safety, I don't think, isn't quite done just yet. Do you think we are safe, or do you think there's still some work to do?
2: No, definitely not safe yet. A couple more wins would do. Um, Hopefully, the win against Wolves, and uh, I think that should be... Enough, I think. Uh, maybe maybe's uh, th- three draws. So if you get 37 points, I think it'll
0: be enough this season. I, I completely agree with you, Ryan. I think 37 is the magic number this season. I think that's enough when you look at like a Burnley, Everton what for those kind of three teams, along with Norwich, who are probably going to get relegated. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting. But who, who are the players that you want to watch week in week out? I think obviously everyone looks at Arnwick, Max and Callum Wilson when he's fit. But is there any other players that really catch your eye when you're watching Newcastle?
2: Um, uh, there's uh, I, I like watching all of them I think um, I, I'm so disappointed that Kieran Trippier got injured because he looked like a real quality player and he, he was good to watch Um, uh, I, I've been enjoying watching Shelby play as well I think when he's when he's really switched on and playing at his best he's, he's a really good player some of the passes he's capable of doing they look great but uh, I just wish he was a little bit better defensively maybe but um, it's a shame that he's not uh, that he makes a kind few mistakes, doesn't
1: he? He does, but he has been he has had a fantastic resurgence since Eddie Howe's coming as manager. Um, what yeah, do you he make looks of lost, doesn't he? Oh, massively so. But what do you make of the job Eddie Howe's done so far?
2: Yeah, he's, he's done well, hasn't he? Um, seems like he knows what he's doing. Uh, team looks like it's starting to play in a certain way. That's a lot better than it used to be. So, it's, uh, yeah, my poor pull going forward uh, to see what they'll look like when uh, when they've got everybody first and they get some new players and uh, we'll see how it gets on.
0: You talk about new players in particular, right? and we'll see there's a really busy transfer window in January for Newcastle, like Dan Byrne, Matt Target, Chris Ward yeah. is coming in as well and then Bruno Gamirez, of course the, the man that everybody seems to love at the minute, the Brazilian wonder kid. Um, yeah. What do you make of the new? What do you make of the new signings? Because they've all came and they've all. I was going to say most of them have flourished. I think Chris Wood will be some people that will argue that he hasn't really hit uh, the form that even that he was showing at Burnley probably more last season. But do you think it was sensible business by Newcastle?
2: Yeah, I think they've signed some good players. Um, definitely defensively, everybody's been praising uh, Target and Burn for how well they've. Um, performed, especially during that run where they went unbeaten for uh, eight or nine games, wasn't it? Um, even in the, the, the two games after that as well against, I think it was Chelsea, and I can't remember who the other one was, but those two games, yeah, those two games, Newcastle were the better team. and I thought they should have won those games. They were very unlucky. So they have been playing really well. Um, I don't know what happened against Tottenham, but it was awful in the second half, wasn't it? Um I don't know what happened there. Yeah, it wasn't... Every, every team has a bad day, though, don't they? Even uh, Chelsea got before one off Brentford, didn't they? And you, you look at results like that and you think, well, um, these things happen in the Premier League sometimes. You just have bad days, even if you've got some of the best players in the
0: world.
1: Absolutely. I don't know what's happened to Chelsea lately, but their results have uh, really took a downward spiral. Long may it continue. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I think... Bruno and, like you say, Burn and Target have added a bit of... I mean, Tottenham game aside, added a bit of defensive um, assurance. I mean, on Target, would you want to sign him on a permanent in the summer or maybe do you think now with all this financial, new financial backing that we've got, we could sign someone even better at left-back?
2: Well, uh, um, if they can't sign someone better, that's what you should do then, isn't it? Um why keep somebody when you can sign someone better? But uh, obviously that's not up to me. Um, I'm sure the people that run the club have got a, a plan in place. I'm sure they're, they're, they're going to make the right decisions. I think.
0: What do you make of the new ownership? Because uh, take takeover was was special for so many reasons. Sam managed to get these little five minutes on Sky Sports News, and it yeah. hasn't stopped talking about ever since, Brian. So. <laughs> you know if he, if, he, if he starts mentioning it, just tell him just be quiet a little bit, but because he wasn't Honestly. at Newcastle that day, he was at work, so he doesn't like talking about it too much. But can you remember where you were when the news broke that Newcastle had been taken over by the richest consortium? And what have you made of what they've done so far? Like, of so Amanda, David, me, and in particular, they really, they really seem to enjoy being a part of this football club, don't
2: they? Yeah, um, I, I can't remember where I was, but I remember I probably watched Sky Sports News more often. I've watched it in my life for five or six days. <laughs> watching the new uh, yeah, just um, I was watching it for hours, sometimes six hours. I sat and watched it. Um, it was, was um, it, it came out of the blue, I thought, for me. Because after all the years of waiting and all the rumours and things, and, and we thought it was going to happen like it, it, over a year ago, didn't we? And then all of a sudden, it just it just. It just come out of the blue. I thought I wasn't expecting it at all because everybody was thinking that it's just not going to happen, didn't it? And then it was an absolute huge relief. I think is the words to say um, for me to see them. And and since they come in, um, yeah, they've been brilliant. haven't they? Uh, they see all the right things and they've they've got all these nice plans. And uh, that's all Newcastle fans have ever wanted, isn't it? To uh, just have somebody that's, that that um, wants to be successful and wants to invest and, and we, we just want a team we can be proud of and go and watch every day, whether they win anything or not, you know. Yeah,
1: not just that as well, but like, cleaning the windows at the, at the stadium, <laughs> taking the, yeah. the sports crap off the stadium as yeah. well. It's, it's just the little things that, like, I don't think Newcastle fans expect a lot. I think that's a, that's a bit of a, a media urban myth, but like, Them little things are the stuff that uh, we go crazy about because we're incredibly proud of our club and our stadium, aren't we? And yeah, Ashley just didn't get that. So (laughs) it sounds stupid, but like doing the stadium tied, giving that the once over is arguably just as good as bringing in Dan Byrne or whoever, isn't it? Or am I talking nonsense?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, those things are right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, everybody was uh, mentioning stuff like that, especially taking down those signs that people were celebrating when they come down, weren't
0: they? <laughs> it's just the little things, isn't it? It's just the little things. It's getting the little things right. like Even just moving, uh, changing the bar back to Shearer's, just little things like that just make a massive, massive yeah. difference. But it's it's been, it's been brilliant since, the, since they've come in. They've really got the area. They've got the city. They've got the people, which I think is the most important thing. And I think that's what Mike actually just didn't get. But... I think it's going to be such a huge, huge summer. If Newcastle do stay at right, do you want them to spend so much money? Do you want them to spend the hundreds of millions of pounds straight away, or do you think they need to be like a gradual process and maybe walk before we run? Mm. it depends
2: on the players. I think um, I'd like to see them sign lots of young players, not older players. Mm. Why
0: in particular? Um, Why young?
2: I don't know. I, um... I just think that's the best way to to do it, you know. Um, have it, it's much better in the long term for the club as well. I think to sign sign younger players rather than older players. That uh, if you look at what Manchester City done when they had all their money, they so they they made a lot of mistakes with signings of big players that were like in their thirties when they signed players like Rabinho and. Players like that, Yeah, Touré was another one. Um, Yeah, he had a couple of brilliant seasons, but then and then that was it. You know, you want you want a core of players that are going to be there for a decade. And like what like what Manchester United done when when they were so successful, they had a fabulous core of young players that were there for a long, long time. And that that was that's the sort of team I would want to put together if I had the money. You know.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree, but mind you, I wouldn't um, say no to a couple of uh, Yaya Torre-esque seasons. He was yeah. been fantastic at like uh, uh, winning. I City's understand, first it,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, where where do you see things going in terms of say five seasons? Do you think we'll be back to the days when you had your season ticket under Subbabe and playing in Europe, or do you think the top six, top four is just a bit too difficult to break into at the minute?
2: Oh no, uh, it's it's not too hard to break into. We've seen teams do it before. When uh, once you get a good enough team and you get on a run of form and you get confidence, anybody can do it. We've seen Leicester win the Premier League. We've seen um, other teams challenge for the top four. uh, you look at Arsenal; they've spent a while outside the top four, and then you know they found it, they found something, a little bit of form, and now they're favourites to finish in the top four. That's all you need; you just need a good team that's playing well, and you, you can achieve what you want, really, can't you? Yeah. You have to, you have yeah, to believe that yeah. you can do it. You, you don't want to go into a season thinking, "Oh, it's too hard to finish in the top four because you, 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 we've seen plenty of teams that can do it. You know.
0: A hundred percent. There is a big debate, especially online with a lot of Newcastle fans, right, about the stadium, whether it needs to be expanded, whether we need to move grounds, whether, you know, there needs to be a lot more done in regards to St. James's Park. Do you think Newcastle should just try and extend it if they can in certain areas? Do you think it needs to move and try and move it to a different part of the city? What's your opinion? Do you think Newcastle should just stay where they are or move? Where do you see it?
2: I don't know, I've never really thought about it. Uh, maybe they could build a new stadium somewhere that was bigger, because it certainly would fill it, wouldn't it? It just depends whether they could find the right place to do it. And I don't know if the majority of fans might not like to move to a new stadium, I don't know. I couldn't speak for everybody else.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be a big lover of moving. I'm a bit of a traditionalist, and I think there's a danger with these new stadiums they're all a bit samey and they just lack that bit of atmosphere i don't i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong because the spurs stadium's all right but although <laughs> johnny you were at spurs the, uh last week when we got smashed what 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 was the atmosphere like then
0: um i, I have to be honest from a newcastle from the newcastle fans it wasn't the best it wasn't the best atmosphere that i've ever experienced as a away fan at newcastle but Tottenham. It's very. It was only maybe the last five ten minutes. Even though they were four five one up, it was only because Conte was kind of bigging the crowd up a little bit. Like he was moving his arms up in the air. But the actual stadium itself is absolutely incredible. Probably one of the best I've ever been to. But I don't know. It's it's, a, it's it's one of those old age debates, isn't it? Where what's what's better for Newcastle right now? What's better for Newcastle in five years? What's better for Newcastle in ten years? I still think it's probably. It's probably still better. Newcastle to still be where they are, even in ten years, time, fifteen years, time. I think it is the it's the it's the masterpiece in the city. I, I, Ryan, you you can I'm sure you can agree. When you go to Newcastle, the stadium just it just fills the city. You can see it from pretty much anywhere, can't you?
2: Yeah, it's it's something else to go there. It's like nothing, like no other place really that I've been to anyway. Uh, although I've never been to watch Borussia Dortmund or somewhere like that, I mean I've heard that atmosphere is pretty good as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you'd love like the European night back at St James's Park. That that's what I'm kind of hoping for the most because you get the, the European teams, they're the supporters over, and it just makes that atmosphere a lot more special. And we've had some fantastic nights in Europe in, in in the past. Did you? Were you? If you had a season ticket under the days of Subboli, did you ever get to the the Champions League nights at St James's?
2: No, I'd, I'd never seen a Champions League game there, unfortunately. Oh. I used to just have to watch that on the telly.
1: The glory days of ITV two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's funny you should mention like Sam absolutely loves the Champions League on ITV he didn't, he's not a massive fan of it on BT you know, but saying that if anybody in BT sport wants to come on at the group in a moment we'll pick it up for sure um, <laughs> but uh, what, what's the banter like between the lads and the darts when it comes to the football do you, have you got more of an argument now when it comes to Newcastle Ryan, do you, do you feel like you can fight their corner pretty well or are the other lads still giving uh, yourself and Chris and Colin in particular a load of stick
2: yeah, um, we usually just talk about results when we play. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different PDC players support different teams, and we usually have a bit banter in the build-up to when you're playing that team. Or, um, I, I know Steve West supports Tottenham, um, Louis Williams supports Everton, things like that. You know, we have a little bit of banter when we play each other. Yeah, definitely. But uh I don't I've never really heard anything about the takeover or nothing like that. I uh, uh we haven't spoken about that much.
1: No, because they're all probably petrified.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't especially, mentioned it.
1: especially uh your Spurs fans, your Arsenal fans, like like the ones that are maybe latching onto the, the top four a little bit. Um the last thing they needed was uh, was extra competition. But um yeah. What are your what your favorite uh, at the darts? What are your favorite tournaments to to go and play in? What are your favorite? Because obviously, what people don't realize, who don't follow darts really closely, is that it is a full time job now. It's it's the schedule on the PDC is absolutely relentless. So, is that something you embrace, or um, where are your favorite events to go and play?
2: Um, yeah, I like I like going to Barnsley and playing in players' championship events on the floor. Um, it's it's because it's quite close to travel to. Uh, I stay in the same hotel all the time. I know where everything is. I, think, I just feel comfortable there. Um, I, I used to love playing at Ali Pali in the World Championship as well, but it's not my favourite anymore because um, it. I get uh, quite nervous in the build-up, and I've got to travel all the way to London, and it's, it's, it's not a very nice place to go at the minute. And uh, it's just a bit stressful. So I like the local ones, better, where I don't have to travel very far.
0: To be honest with you, Ryan, though, even when you talk about the fact you maybe don't like Ali Pali, in the, the 2019, that World Championship run, like, you beat some unbelievable names to get to the quarter-final. And... I think you had a very difficult first-round draw, to be honest with you. I think it's probably, let's be honest, I don't think darts players would admit that, but I don't think they want to play a female player, just because, obviously, you seem like Sir Fallon Sherrick, who's done exceptionally well. Obviously, you had Anastasia a, just Bronislova, and obviously, you won very convincingly in the end. But that's probably the, one of the worst first-round draws to have, but from that, from that result, it must have just grew your confidence because you, you did it unbelievably well, and some of the names you've beaten incredible.
2: Yeah, it 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 is, but it it's a bit unusual playing a um. So anything different is not good. I think for if you're a professional at something and you practice something all the time and you're used to things, it's good. But anything different is um is usually bad. And it's not very often you get to play a woman on the on the stage. And yeah, it was was tough. It was like a new experience. You're not sure how you're going to handle it, and you're not sure how how the crowd's going to react. Things like that. And was a total or no one but I managed to get through it um, could have went the other way you know
1: but is there like because obviously Anastasia is no no stranger to to a, to a big stage multiple lakeside champions played in the Grand Slam uh, a few times at Wolverhampton so does that give if you say you struggle with nerves at, at, especially at Ali Pali did that add a lot of extra pressure onto yourself
2: hmm it does feel like you're under more pressure, yeah. And obviously, you're playing for a lot of money. Um, that adds to the pressure. Uh, and depending on your form leading up to the competition as well, um, if you're a bit low on confidence and you haven't had many wins, that can affect you as well. There's lots of different things can can uh, impact on how you're feeling just before a game.
0: 100%. But you, you obviously, from that, just to, to promise over win, play beating players like Simon Whitlock, Alan Morris, obviously, he's done really well on Lakeside over the years, and then that that win over James Wade 4 3. He look, he's looked so calm under pressure. Like, obviously, talking about this is for big money now, but that Wade win must have it must have just made you feel so good about your own game and think, Well, I can beat anybody. James Wade's a multiple, multiple uh, major winner. It, it, it must fill you with so much belief in your career from even say from now, maybe even five years' time, because that's the biggest games in the biggest stages in front of the biggest crowds.
2: Yeah, well, it was an unbelievable experience. I'll never forget there that day, yeah. Um, I didn't t- even play really well, actually, in those games. I was just doing enough, and my finishing was good, I remember. Um, but, yeah, I'll never forget that run. Uh, hopefully I can do it again one day, but I haven't got close to it yet. I'll have oh, to yeah. stop here, actually. My phone's going to die, so I'm 1%. <laughs> and I've lost my charger. Why well, I can't find it anyway. Um it's it's literally gonna die any second now. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I could put the laptop on and join you in two minutes or so, I don't know if that's any good.
0: Um, we'll, we'll I'll tell you what, some we'll just we'll just end it we'll just end it here. We'll just end it here. But um or or just with, just before you go, Ryan, thank you very much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. And. Um, but, you know, we wish you all the very best of look in the pdc from now and now until the end of the season
2: What's going
0: on that <laughs> ryan has got his battery. he did say his battery his batteries died
1: his... the one percent lasted a good long <laughs> lot a hell of a lot longer than expected
0: definitely but just i think just finally sam because we're, well we've got a couple of minutes before uh, we'll wrap things up um he got ryan got to the quarterfinal and he got a bit off michael van go in five one but to so be in that position, prime time, quarter-final against the best player in the world, yes, 5-1 seems, uh, you know, it seems uh, very, very, not not as close as it could be, but in every pretty much every set went to five legs, bar one set, with Van 3-0. It just shows that Ryan's such a tough, tough player to beat.
1: I mean, that set play for you, for a start, And they're all like mini matches, aren't they? Of of best uh, first to three mini matches, aren't they? In themselves, that's the kind of advantage or disadvantage of set play, whatever way you look at it, as opposed to straightforward match play because you could win more legs in the game but still lose because you're down in sets. So he's a tough player to beat. Is Ryan, yeah? You'd see there, he's not flash about things, he's very just, he's just you run of the mill dart player who wants to play darts and is bloody good at it so he's got a long way to go in the game and and um he'll he'll be more successful in the future I, i've no doubt about it and can improve on quarterfinal finishes and and he you know he could even land a major one day it would be no surprise to see whatsoever because on his day as you say johnny he's very very tough to beat
0: yeah, 36 in the world. Chris is 32 in the world. Collins, I think, 27 in the world, 28 in the world. So it's very close between the three and one. Massive Newcastle fans as well, which is an absolute bonus. And um, I was going to mention before his battery went, Ryan, mostly a big pro tour win as well. His yeah. only major win was, I was in non-telvised 8 eight-seven over Dave Chisnall, seven-five down actually, Sam, if you remember rightly, and yeah. managed to win on the last like Chizzy missed a couple of darts and must have been feeling the pressure. But Ryan, second dart. Double 10, straight in, 8-7 win, especially in difficult COVID times as well. It's 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 obviously fantastic to see him do well. and oh, He said he enjoyed those floor events. It must be brilliant when you're enjoying, you're enjoying doing something and getting a nice little paycheck at the end, 10 grand in the back pocket as well.
1: Floor events are great. I absolutely love them. I've been fortunate enough to go and, and watch a few of them because there's no crowds there. So it's it's just the players, their management and, and a few friends that are, are allowed in there. And everyone's there. A whole 128 players, and it really is anyone's game. Short format, most of all. Just first to six legs, straight up. And then the the, the semis and, and final are a, a tiny bit longer. But um, anyone can win it on their day. And I'm so glad that Ryan did get his day. Um, because there'll be a nine data at some point in that room during the day, every time. Every time. The standard now is ridiculous. So it takes a bloody good player to win on the floor, a very, very good player, because that's where, I know you see the standard on the telly is ridiculous, but probably the highest standard you will see is in them floor tournaments
0: on the Players' Championship Tour. Yeah, 100%, 100%. If you win a floor tournament, you're, you can definitely count yourself a very, very good player, which Ryan has done. Hopefully, you can get to the top 32 this year, that would be a fantastic achievement for Ryan this year. Yeah, this has been the Greenwood and all on this show. Um, I think it's the first time i guess it's run out of battery but it doesn't matter we've still got a good half an hour out of ryan just make sure you give all our uh, we wish him all the very best as well personally me and sam will uh for from now to the end of the season hopefully he has a good run in the world championships as well maybe a repeat of 2019. maybe we can do one back kind of to the semis the final who knows but sam why can i listen to this podcast
1: google it <laughs> everywhere, you know by now the link's in the description if you're watching on YouTube it's available everywhere where you listen to your podcasts and if you're on Spotify or iTunes hit the 5 star and the subscribe button and then uh, the new episode will appear in your feed
0: every Tuesday Well a big thanks to Ryan, Joyce and a big thanks to you as well Sammy because it's been fantastic talking to you as per this has been the Green and Roller show and we'll see you all very soon Newcastle Fans TV